May mercy and peace and grace be yours from God our Father, through his Son, his only Son, Jesus the Christ. What is one of the basics that all children learn? They discover that God has given them senses. Not common sense, that's a completely different matter, one that I sometimes fail to demonstrate, uh, but I might grow up eventually. Kiddos learn that they can see, that they can hear, that they can smell, that they can taste, and that they can touch. Martin Luther affirmed these gifts of God in his explanation of the first article in his small catechism, I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason, and all my senses, and still takes care of them. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts as we consider God's word today, hearing both law and gospel with this theme from today's scriptures, hands and mouths and ears and hearts and the face of God. People God dearly loves. The Apostle Paul writes two letters to his true child in the faith, young Pastor Timothy. The epistle we call 2 Timothy is Paul's final New Testament writing, probably composed in the year A.D. 68. Paul is in prison in Rome. Timothy is in Ephesus on the southwest coast of modern Turkey. Clearly, Paul doesn't only know Timothy, he also knew his family. Last Sunday, we heard these words from chapter 1 of the first of the second letter. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. Eunice, by the way, is a word, a name that means a good victory, a unique, a good victory, because Paul knew that a faithful mother and a faithful grandmother had been God's tools to bring Christ to Timothy and Timothy to Christ, a good victory. And this is where hands come in. Maybe Paul is recalling how Eunice and Lois described to him when, in the early childhood of Timothy, his mother held a scroll of the sacred writings in her hands, and Grandma took the chubby fingers of her grandson and traced the Hebrew letters from right to left, of course, as they read God's word together. Then their mouths spoke both the deeds and the promises of God. Maybe it was Lois, maybe it was Eunice who asked, Did you hear that, Timothy? Did you hear what the Lord has done? And did you hear what he has promised to do? Now I remind you, these sacred writings were what we call the Old Testament. Yet the remembrance of this encounter with Holy Scripture is recorded in one of the letters which make up what we call the New Testament. When Paul writes, and what Paul writes to the adult Timothy and to the Christians in Ephesus, which is to the church of all time, that means it includes the disciples gathered here at Crown of Life in San Antonio, Texas. And this is always true. It has to do with both mouths and hands. 
All scripture is breathed out by God, the apostle affirms. The words and the word given to his people are from the mouth of God, from the same breath that God exhaled into Adam, that first man shaped by God's hands in Eden. And when the Holy Spirit breathes the word of God into a man named Moses or Isaiah or Paul or Luke, hands go into motion. They hold a stylus or a quill dipped into ink, and they scratch out onto papyrus worked into a writing surface pounded flat or on a vellum, a calfskin specially treated. They write the very words which God intended to be his word. The hands of Timothy's mother or grandmother held the scroll. The mouth of young Timothy repeated the sacred writing before him. And we do the same, though now our hands hold a book or a worship guide or an iPad. Our mouths still echo the sacred writing, the Holy Scripture, God's living and active and strong word. Now let's move on to ears as we ponder this word together this morning. Genesis 32 tells a strange story. Some of you know it. Some of you may have heard it today for the first time. Jacob is coming home after at least 14 years away. And after moving his entire entourage across the Wadi Jabak, he camps alone all night and even as dawn approaches, a strange wrestling match occurs. It's a stalemated contest. Neither Jacob nor his opponent prevails. Finally, the man who came to grapple with Jacob reaches out, dislocating his hip. Clearly an illegal wrestling move. But Jacob won't let go, even when the man commands him to do so. Instead, Jacob Jacob demands brazenly, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I'm going to leave that strange encounter alone for a while and turn to today's gospel. The wrestling match is so strange, is strange, and so is this parable of Luke 18. Jesus teaches stubborn prayer by telling about a stubborn widow and a stubborn judge. The widow won't stop appealing for justice over and over and over again. She approaches the judge until his ears are ringing with her persistent appeals. Finally, the judge cries out with exasperation, Enough already! Be quiet. I'll give you the justice you demand. But there's a problem, a serious problem. It's a problem with our ears and a problem with our hearts. We have itching ears. They're not dry, they're not chapped, they're not rough, but they are itchy. They twitch and they turn to hear whatever sounds good, whatever appeals to us, whatever stokes our passion, whatever is our truth. You have them, so do I. Ears that only want to hear what I want to hear, that I'm not so bad, that all this talk about sin and shame and guilt and blame is depressing, that I should get what I deserve, and I deserve to be rewarded for trying hard, 
for showing up on a Sunday morning when too many others are out on the golf course or fishing or sailing or hungover or first in line for brunch at snooze. We also have a heart problem. We have broken hearts. We have hurting hearts. We have angry hearts. We have jealous hearts. We have greedy hearts. And it's so easy to lose heart. Is God there? Does God care? Is he listening? Why doesn't he answer my prayers? Now I want to put the pieces together because now I want you to hear and receive and rejoice in good news about hands and mouths and ears and hearts and the face of God. He knows your heart problem, and he promises a new and a clean and a living heart. He knows your itching ears, and he speaks not with a wagging finger and shame on you, which we deserve, but with mercy and grace and peace. As I told Bill and Jean on Friday morning at Poet's Walk, our Lord is the good shepherd who always calls us by name. And God will not let you go. He will not let you go without blessing you. And he blesses you with a new name. He calls you loved and chosen and redeemed and holy. And God will give justice to his elect, to his chosen ones. We cried out at the beginning of this divine service, forgive me. And God answers gladly, you are forgiven. You are not guilty. Justice has been done. My Holy Son has taken your sin, your guilt, your punishment, and you are set free. After Jacob was blessed at the Jabbok by his wrestling foe, he realized something profound had happened. The last verse of today's Old Testament lesson reads, So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Peniel means the face of God. And this is what his word reveals. It's what the word revealed to young Timothy. It's what what the word reveals to us today, to the young and the not so young, and the used to be young but almost 67. For these eyes of faith see God incarnate. God is with us in the face of the baby in the Bethlehem manger. They see the face of God smiling at the little children in his arms. They see the face of God comforting Mary and Martha, grieving the death of their brother Lazarus. They see the face of God glowing on the mountain of transfiguration. They see the face of God contorted by pain with blood running down his cheeks when Jesus wrestles with sin and wins over sin and guilt. They see the face of God silenced by death. But then they see the face of God freed from the grave's prison in the Easter garden, on the road to Emmaus, in the upper room, on the seashore and the mountain of Galilee, and speaking a final commission and promise on the Mount of Olives. All these eyes of faith see the face of God toward us, turned toward us, lifted up upon us, looking upon us with favor 
and giving us peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.